All right, all right, Rockbridge, happy new year. So glad that you're with us. Want to welcome all of you at our six physical locations. And uh, just let's call each, each other out. Want to welcome you to Hickson and Cleveland, Ringgold, Dalton, Chatsworth, Calhoun. So glad that y'all are here. Welcome everybody that is online. We still have a large percentage of folks tuning in online. However you're with us, we're glad that you're with us. You're not with us by accident. God has something for you. Before we jump into our new series called Decide Now, just everybody, when you came into one of our six physical locations, you should have gotten a rock. If you're watching online or on your device or at home, you can go to your backyard. You can go to some plant maybe and grab a rock. I, you can take a sheet of paper and just write rock on it. doesn't matter. I'll, I'll coach you. We'll instruct what we're going to do with this. But we need God's help. All right, so I just want to invite us all to pause for a minute. Uh, let's pray before we open God's Word that our hearts and our lives and our minds and our souls are open. We pray together. God, we're here today not by accident. Some of us, God, we may not even believe in you right now. We may be frustrated with you, far from you. Some of us are seeking you. God, doesn't matter. You're with us. You tell us you are by your Spirit, by your Word. And, and God, you've got something for us. And Lord, my prayer is simply this. I pray it over myself. I pray it over everybody tuned in right now. Let us not miss why we're here for such a time as this. In your most holy name we pray, King Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so let, let's understand something, right? In, in the new year, we're all going to face stuff, right? And, and a lot of it is predictable, and it's driven by the calendar. I mean, we know about, you know, we got tax day coming up. You know in the new year, you've got birthdays, you've got anniversaries. If you're like an athlete, you've got games and competitions. If you're a student, you're going to have classes, and you're going to have exams. We, we know, you know, we, we, I know we just came out of Christmas, but we know we're going to have the holiday season in 2022, right? And for the most part, you and I have already decided what we're going to do. We're going to buy gifts. We're going to buy cards. We're going to study. We're going to compete. We're going to work out, right? We're going to take vacation when it's time. And most of us, many of us might already know what we're going to do. And we've just got a plan because it's what you do. It's just predictable. And we've sort of pre-decided what we're going to do at those milestones. Now, there's other things about 2022 like any year that are less quantifiable, less predictable, and less certain. Some of us, we're going to face financial challenges. Some of us are going to have new relationships open up. Some of us are going to have relationship challenges. Some of us are going to hear things from the doctor we don't want to hear, from our job that we don't want to hear. Some of us are going to get promoted and blessed unexpectedly. So we've got all these other things that are going to happen probability-wise in some form or fashion to you or to me in different forms and different seasons and for different reasons. And, and here's the premise of, of this whole Decide Now series. What if we could go ahead right now for all, for all of those things that we might bump into that we can't predict? A lot of them we can for a new year. A lot of them we can't. What if we could go ahead and decide now for what we're going to face later? Now, I, I don't mean, you know, you're going to decide, do you take the job, do you not take the job? You know, I don't mean, you know, are you going to date the person or are you not going to date the person? I, I mean that there's things God has for you that God wants to do in you, with you, through you, for you. And if you and I could decide now that, hey, when we reach that crossroads, when we reach that situation that reveals something going on or reveals something God's trying to show me, teach me, change in me, bring to my life, that we're going to go ahead and decide now how we're going to cooperate with God when we reach that later. 
It's kind of the whole concept of pre-decisions, that you pre-decide before you face it. So when you face it, you already know how to handle it. You already know what to do. And I'll just tell you a little bit about my story, okay? My story, when I was in middle school, blessed to be a part of a great student ministry, and I, I was at some, one of these big student events that are kind of typical. It's why we value student ministry so much, Beth and I and our whole staff and our whole culture at Rockbridge. But I was challenged at, at, at like 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Go ahead and decide now because you're going to face it later. What are you going to do when you're tempted with sex? What are you going to do when you're tempted with drugs and alcohol? Go ahead and decide. And for whatever reason, me, the Holy Spirit, were on the same page. And I was like, no and no. Already decided, right? Cannot tell you how much pain that protected me from. It's an unknown grace. I'll find out when I get to heaven, right? Person said, hey, go ahead and decide now. You need to have a daily time with God. And for whatever reason, me and the Holy Spirit were on the same page. And I decided now, you know what, for the rest of my life, more days than not, I was going to spend time with God. Made that decision, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, something like that. It has so much grace from God has come into my soul because of those predecisions. Now, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish someone or I wish I had been in sync with the Holy Spirit and had made a predecision about pornography. Because if you're raising a child, it doesn't matter if they're male or female, later they're going to face it. Right? I, and so there's other things in my life I did not predecide what I was going to do. So when I faced it, I was like, huh! and I took the wrong path. So what if, as we move into a new year, we could look and understand that there are some things that God wants to do, and he's going to bring you to those decision points, and you and I could go ahead and decide now when we face it later. And here's what we're going to find out, okay? God knows about it already because he's sovereign, he's omniscient, he knows everything. He always promises grace for what we face. So that stuff you don't know about that we're going to face, he promises grace for it. But here's where we have to kind of decide now so we can get there later, is God providing grace and us receiving grace are two different things. And this is where a lot of us stumble. It's why a lot of people are not yet Christians because they haven't received the grace of God. It's like why a lot of Christians miss God. It's like, hey, I can give you a Christmas present, but if you don't open it, don't use it, it's useless. It's still grace. It's still free. It's still gift. It's still offered. It's still yours. But you and I got to open it, and then we got to use it. So God providing us grace for what we're going to face and us saying yes to that grace are two different things. So we're just saying, hey, why don't we decide now for what we're going to face later? So today, we're going to come to a decision point that I believe is universal for all Christ followers. I believe it happens multiple times in our journey with Jesus and our journey with God. If you're not a believer and you're here today, you'll see parallels, I believe, and I'll try to help you identify how God might even be speaking to you and bringing you to such a time so you can decide now for what you might be facing now or what you might be facing later. To do this, we're going to be in the, in the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. We're going to just journey with God's people as they come to a moment uh, uh, where they're facing a crossroads moment, a decision point moment. And I think it's such a common thing. I think I'm facing it already right now as I speak to you. You may face it tonight through a, or this weekend through a song, through a sermon, through a situation you're in. If you're not there today, this weekend, you might be there tomorrow. You might be there next week. But we're going to face it, and let's decide now what we're going to do when we face it. So we're in Joshua 24, chapter 1. Here's the word of God. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem 
and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and they presented themselves before God. So he calls an intentional assembly. It's like we're called to worship, and we did that a few moments ago, where we call ourselves to come together for a purpose. We come together, and it's not just a check a block, oh, I did church, oh, I sang a song. There's a specific purpose. And this purpose is going to get kind of, we get a hint for it because of this name called Shechem. And, and, and geographical places in the, in the history of Jewish people had very great, much, great significance. Not as much as we do. Not, not like, we don't have the same significance of place as they did as we see in the Old Testament. But here's the decision point what we want to decide. I want us to decide now what you are going to do at your Shechem. And I, I know a lot of us are like, hey, what's at Shechem? I, I mean, we're, we're going to get there. And, and there's significance at Shechem. Okay. And, and, and I think this sermon, a song we sang earlier, a situation in your life could really be a Shechem moment for you, for me, for our walk together. And so we want to decide now what we're going to do when we're in or at our Shechem. When we get there, and some of you are going to realize as we're talking in the course of this message, you're already there. You're at a Shechem. So let's talk about Shechem, okay? So there's no accident that Joshua brought the people together at Shechem. It is rich with history in the young life of the Jewish people. So here's what happens at this place of Shechem. In Genesis chapter 12, God, who moved Abraham out of the, quote, what we might call the Middle East, Iraq, Iran area, and brings him to what we call the promised land or Israel, stops him at Shechem. And says, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your family. And Abraham builds an altar to God right there. First time he builds an altar. First time he has this consecrated commitment moment back to God. He begins to pray to God, all coming out of what's going on at Shechem. Abraham's grandson, his name was Jacob. He goes into kind of self-imposed exile because he made a bunch of dumb decisions. He was like, you know, I tell you, we're, you and me, we're all one decision away from stupid. I mean, Jacob, amen, I like Jacob because I identify with Jacob. And Jacob's coming back from self-imposed exile. He meets his brother that he'd kind of done wrong and done dirty, and, and God is with him, and there's grace there, and, and he thinks his brother's going to, you know, get revenge upon him. He doesn't. They reconcile. A lot of cool things happen happen in that story. And, and, and Jacob builds an altar at Shechem. And then in Joshua chapter 8, the Jewish people are finally in this promised land that was promised to Abraham back at Shechem. And Joshua in chapter 8 of jo- in the book of Joshua, Joshua in chapter 8 brings together the people. They've just had the victory over Jericho. Then they, uh, then they lost the battle to a little product team called I, and then they had a rematch, and they won, and so, man, they're feeling good, and he brings them to Shechem and consecrates the people before God to commit to God, and and guess what he does? He builds an altar at Shechem, and so in our chapter, in our story today, this weekend, Joshua, again, in chapter 24, again brings the people to a place called Shechem. So you got four significant things. We're going to talk about Shechem, New New Testament version, next week as we continue our series, Decide Now. So don't miss it, right? So Shechem part one is simply this. I think it's a time in a journey with a a person's journey or our collective journey as the people of God where there's heightened awareness of what God has graciously done 
or graciously wants to do in your life. It's the time where the busy, that stuff that keeps you kind of, and me kind of, you know, did the kids get to work school on time? Did I get the assignment done? When's our next game? Who's picking up who, when? What are we having for supper? It's the time where like, God has done something. God has something for me. It's just one of those moments. It, it can happen when you're taking the Lord's Supper. It can happen at a baptism. It can happen during a message. It can happen when you sing Amazing Grace. It, it can happen driving down the road. I mean, it can just happen. And it needs to happen more often because God has graciously done a lot and God has a lot for us, right? Now, if you're a non-believer or you're not yet a Christian, you're here and you're like, hey, Matt, I'm just kind of kicking the tires on the whole church Jesus thing. I'm not even sure what I believe or I've been away from a while. I I don't know. And you're not wearing a coat and tie. That's kind of weird for me. I get it, right? I mean, we're we're a different kind of church. But so let me, as a non-believer, a Shechem moment for you is when you run up against a question and you don't really have a good answer for it. Something goes wrong at work and, and, and you're just like, man, why am I really here? Is this really all that exists in life? You know, you, you've been going through your life, and, man, you've built an identity on, you know, what people think about you, and they think highly of you, or you built an identity on your ability to do things well, like you're great at something, you're great at work, great at sales, great at a sport, great at school, and then all of a sudden that identity gets threatened somebody's better at it than you or people quit you know applauding you and you're just like man who am I really so sometimes the Shechem moment is like where you just bump into something man is there a God who's doing something is there more to this life than I've bumped into that I'm found and I think New Year's are always a time where we get a little nostalgic like that so part one of Shechem is just a heightened awareness of what God has graciously done or that he wants to do something different, more, better, bigger, stronger, whatever, okay? So what would we expect to come after Joshua 24.1 is what we get. The next 13, 14 verses, 21 times the people of God in Joshua are told what God had done for them. Starts with Abraham, we go through Genesis, we talk about Moses and Pharaoh, we talk about how God had been with them in the battles for the, pro- the military battles for the promised land. 21 times, first person singular, and it's pointing to here's all God has done for you. And, 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 and in verse 13, God even says this. Listen to what God says through Joshua. He says, I gave you, there it is, first person singular, God's done something. I gave you a land you didn't labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from the vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Now, what's he saying? You've driven out all these, you've driven out the enemies, the Canaanites, all these very, very ungodly, evil people. You've had victory over them. And listen, they planted the fields you're using now. They built the cities you're living in now. So God, even the enemies of God, God in his sovereignty uses that to bring grace to his people. I gave you that. So it's all about what God has done. And then a Shechem moment is not just what, all what God has done or what God wants to do. It's not, this, not just that. Something comes out of that. So in light of what God has done, There's a part two to a Shechem moment, verse 14 and 15. Here we go. Therefore, so in light of the 21 things God has done, in light of all the grace God has given to you as his people, therefore, fear the Lord. 
and worship him in sincerity and truth. Now, we really need to get underneath that, the kind of the Hebrew of these two words, sincerity and truth. Sincerity is wholehearted. Sincerity is 100%. Sincerity is not, I'm a one hour a week Christian. Sincerity is not, I prayed a prayer 25 years ago and I've moved on. Sincerity is not, I know about the Bible. It is all in 110%. And truth is reliable truth, that the truth about God and all that he's done, right, the 21 things that they've highlighted, truth is that everything God has done makes him reliable so that giving him 100%, giving him 100% of my devotion sincerely, is, a, is, an easy, is an easy thing to do because he's so good, he's so gracious, and he's so trustworthy. So we're going to fear the Lord, we're going to worship him in truth, and we're going to get rid of the gods of your an- that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and worship the Lord. So apparently some of the gods of the past and some of the gods of the current culture, the idols, had sort of crept into the people of God on their military conquest in the promised land. And Joshua says, no, 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 we got to get rid of that. We got to get rid of that. Now, now here's what's interesting about this, okay? There's no crisis. See, a lot of us, we wait till a crisis to get serious about God, don't we? I mean, the doctor says cancer, man, your prayer life goes up. Your boss says, hey, we're going to have to have some cutbacks at work and not so sure about your position, man, we start praying. Your relationship gets rocky and you're, man, somebody, you know, it's like in the military, we used to say there's no atheists in foxholes, right? And, 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 and here, what, what I love about this passage, no crisis. They hadn't lost a battle. Nobody's bleeding out on the table or something. They hadn't called the funeral director. It's just the people of God coming together at a place called Shechem. And through their leader, Joshua, God is speaking to them and bringing them to a moment of decision. Remember what our goal is. Decide now for when you face your Shechem. And for many of us, today is Shechem. So, fear the Lord, worship him, get rid of some junk, that's incompatible, and worship the Lord. And, and then Joshua puts a little, he gets a little salty with the invitation. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice and neat if he said this, because you know what, most of us would be like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, closing prayer, pastor, let's go home. But he says, if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, then you need to choose for yourselves today. Not, not someday, not, not down the road, not, not after you settle down, not when you get through your teenage and your college years. You need to choose today the gods which, we, which you're going to worship, the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But he says, as for me and my family, we'll worship the Lord. He didn't take a poll. Joshua was saying, hey, look, I, if you choose to go with the old gods or you choose to go with the gods of our current situation, our current culture, I'm not going with you. Because me and my family, we're going to worship the Lord. 
This isn't about taking it. This isn't about looking at how many likes you get on social media. This isn't about looking around like, who's with me, who's not? We're with the Lord, no matter if anyone else is. So it seems to me, from the Word of God, that in this kind of now symbolic Shechem moment, there's first heightened awareness of what God has done or what He wants to do, but that, that heightened awareness of God's grace operating or being promised to you calls you and me and us for a greater, deeper, more personal commitment to God. This word commitment is scary. It's a word we're trying to minimize in society. Because when you commit to one thing, you got to die to other things. And you heard it in the words Joshua said, right? He said, choose for yourselves. If it's, not, you gotta, if it's God, you got to get rid of some junk. If you're, you're going to say no to God and go the other way, that's fine, but you're saying no to God. In other words, you can't have it both ways. And you know what COVID has done? You know what COVID's done? That God has done through COVID? It's revealed that the church in America, there's a lot of Christians who ain't Christians. They're Christians in name only, trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Trying to, hey, hey, well, I did the religious thing. I went through confirmation. I prayed that prayer. I'm a good Baptist. I got baptized. How are you living now? Who are you worshiping now? Are the gods of the Euphrates lingering around? Now, ours don't look like theirs, but we still got our own little G gods, right? And so Joshua's just cutting through all of that. So from the Word of God, I want to just identify five, six, seven characteristics of this kind of commitment. Five, six characteristics of a Shechem commitment. Because here's one thing that becomes clear to me, and I'll try to make this make sense as we navigate through. This is not a quick raise your hand, closing prayer moment decision. This is not check a box, I'll call you later. This is like a serious, significant moment in the life of the people of Israel in my life and your life when we're at a Shechem situation or a Shechem moment and we want to decide now what we're going to do. So the, so the first thing we need to understand is this commitment is to God. You know, I think a lot of times in the new year, we make commitments to ourselves, to our family, to the gym, <laughs> to the diet we're going to eat. This is fundamentally a commitment to God. Sometimes we make commitments to ourselves. Sometimes we make a commitment that to spring break. Hey, I want to look like this before I put my bathing suit on and go to spring break, all right? And it's, new, you know, it's a great time to do that. This is a commitment to God. It is asked of from God. It is motivated by God and what he's done. It is a commitment to God. A lot of times we'll make religious commitments. I'm going to be in church more. I'm going to read the Bible more. But it's not a commitment made to God. It's so we feel better about ourselves. So this is a fundamentally a commitment to the living God. Another characteristic is it basically is up in the percentage closer to all in. Here's what I mean. Everybody here tonight, this weekend, all of our camps is online. God might have a percentage of you. You can pick the number. Some of you may being honest, maybe Matt, it's zero percent. Well, he's at least got you here, right? So that's something. Praise God for that. I mean, he'll work with anything. But a Shechem commitment is going to move that percentage from 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 
and God wants 110. God wants 100. God wants it all. Right now, now I want to say something to y'all, okay? And I say this uh, as a fellow journeyman in this walk with Jesus Christ. I, I say it as, as a pastor. Uh, I say it as someone who struggles, okay? I've been walking imperfectly but progressively with Jesus since I was eight years old. There's things I've done. If you knew about them, you know, y'all take me outside, you know, and say, take the mic off, you're done. But, you know, if there's things that you've done, if we knew about them, we probably wouldn't let you in. You know, it's all grace, right? This is the way we roll, right? All walks of life. Here we go. So here's what I realize, though. The closer I get to God, the, more far, the farther I realize I am from 100%. And that's spiritual growth. I think, man, I'm good. I got 80%, 90%. This Christmas season, I get real reflective. New year, our church is turning 20 years old this year. I am very reflective right now. It's not as high as I thought it was in my life. But God said, hey, we got to get closer to 100%. Another characteristic of a Shechem commitment is this. is where, you know, all that someday stuff. It's today. No, 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 we got we to we choose today. You know, because there's all, I, I know about you, you know, some of us, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll get in shape someday. I'll diet someday. I'll get serious about this someday. I'll study someday. You know, I'll work out someday. I'll get in the Word of God someday. I'll get back in church someday. A Shechem commitment is, is today. We need to decide today. Today. Because we're, we're great procrastinators, amen, right? And sometimes God's going to call us out. Just say, hey, let's make that call today. Part of the commitment is there's going to be recognition of incompatibility. Let me explain what I mean by incompatibility. If I'm going to move forward with God, this thing I've been doing, I'm holding on to, this pattern, this habit, this whatever, this, it, it, it can't go with me. For, for, for Israel, it was, hey, there's stuff from your past, you got to let it go. And there's temptations in your present, you got to say no to those things the gods of your ancestors, and the gods of the Amorites. He said, get rid of it. So it's recognition of incompatibility. And, and let me just be honest with you, okay? Sometimes what's incompatible in this Shechem commitment is not always wrong or sinful. It's just where God wants to take you, that can't go. Okay? I had this conversation with my son. It was a great dinner. We were having a devotional conversation. I got a ninth grader, and we start talking about, you know, Hey, Yasu, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be, you know? And, and, and it was great. You were God-centered. It was an awesome conversation. Uh, I thank God for our family. And, and I recall that Matt Evans wanted to be a medical doctor all of my life until a Shechem moment in December of 1992. And it's incompatible for you to keep having that goal, Matt. It's incompatible. Another characteristic of a Shechem commitment is it's personal. It's not your parents' decision. It's not your friend's decision. It's not, oh, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Oh, we're going to all walk down to the altar and get baptized. No, it's you and your God. It's personal. It's personal. Now, as a church, we're going to keep navigating this forward. And we want to talk about this concept deciding now as we move forward. And so we're going to identify for the rest of this year, every series, we're going to have a core verse. This one verse that we want to ask ourselves to say, I'd encourage you to memorize it. 
And, it, it, and the, the verse we've picked for this series is very reflective of a Shechem commitment. It's, it's from John the Baptist. We'll bump into it when we get there uh, in a couple weeks. But it, it's he must increase, that's Jesus, but I must decrease. That's a Shechem statement, isn't it? Man, God, Jesus just got to get bigger in my life, and I've got to get out of the way. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. All right, so back to our friends at Shechem. And Joshua's made this call, this commitment, pretty clear. Now what are the people going to do? Well, the people replied and said, it's kind of what you're supposed to do in church, right? Yes, yes, praise the Lord. We will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt. Look at what all God's done for us. He brought us out of the place of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. Man, God has done so much for us. He has also protected us all along the way we went and among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. So we too will worship the Lord because he is our God. Let's all close in prayer and go home that's i think you know matt's reading this you know a couple weeks ago praying through this studying this i'm like okay the it should end right there because that's what we're accustomed to hey you check the block pray the prayer get baptized make the commitment you know whatever and, and then we all leave right and then we get one old testament scholar says joshua 24 19 i'm about to read it is the most difficult verse in the entire Old Testament. And you're like, well, why, why? Why are you going to throw that in there, God? This is so cool. Here it is. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord. You can't keep the commitment because he is a holy God. You are so unlike him. He's so pure. You're so not. And he's a jealous God. He wants what's his, and you're his. So he's not going to let it slide when you backtrack on this commitment. And then here it is. This is the most difficult fat verse in the Old Testament. He will not forgive your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you. He will harm you. He will completely destroy you after he has been good to you. Now, I, I, it, it, here's what I discovered, okay? I got all these commentators and commentaries that I go to to make sure that I'm interpreting Scripture correctly for you and giving application. You don't want to misinterpret Scripture. The vast majority of my go-to guys and ladies totally just ignore verse 19. I was like, come on. I ordered a new commentary. It came in yesterday, and I was, I was like, going Josh 24, 19. Guess what? He took a pass, too. And, and, and so listen, I fundamentally believe we have to be committed to wrestling with hard text. So I, right before Christmas when I'm preparing this message, I spent half the morning and the entire afternoon on this one verse trying to figure out how do we go, what do we do with this? Because other places in Scripture, God clearly says he will be gracious. God clearly says he will be merciful. God clearly says he will forgive sins. And, and so we've got to understand Joshua is calling people to a commitment. And, you know, as a parent, there's some times where you don't tell your kids you love them. You tell them you better watch out. You warn them for the purposes you have for them. So when we get under this, let me say a couple things. First of all, here's what this tells me. It's a serious commitment. It's why Joshua kind of tries to talk them out of it. 
It'd be like, you know, coming to a church service, pastor say, hey, if you're not a Christian, I just want you to come in here and get saved. Be like, hey, if you're not a Christian, I want you to get saved, but let me tell you what you're walking into before you say yes to Jesus. Jesus said it this way, count the cost before you come. Right, and we don't like to talk about that because, you know, we're all about amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and we want to, oh, that Old Testament, that's Old Testament stuff. No, God's the same God he's always been. So it's a serious commitment. And we got to make a distinction here. There's a big difference between being convinced and being committed. Right? The people of God were convinced God was God. I mean, you didn't, they, you've heard them say it. They're convinced God can do anything. There's a difference being convinced about something of God, about God, and being committed to God. And God's not saying, hey, and there's a lot of Christians, so-called, who are convinced, yeah, Christmas and Easter, check, Bible, check, yeah, right, heaven, good people, heaven, yeah. They're not committed. Shechem calls you out of being just convinced to being committed. So I want to just kind of take verse 19 where he says he will not forgive. And that's all he leaves it as. Now, obviously, there's other scripture that, that you got to wrap in there just to understand that, yes, God will forgive. But there's a reason Joshua doesn't go there. There's a reason that's not in the Bible. Let me share it. It's my best I can do. Day and a half or day, half a day praying through this. Here we go. What about verse 19? Because God is holy, pure, 100%, nothing wrong with God, because je God is jealous for his people. It's a jealous love. Not like bad jealousy, but it's like I'm jealous for what's best for my kids. I'm jealous for my wife's love and affection. If I saw her giving that to another man, what would I have? I'd have a problem. When God sees you and I giving affection and loyalty and allegiance and love to other lesser gods, little g gods, he's got a problem with it. So because God is holy and jealous, the commitment to him is as serious as is sin against him. Don't take it lightly. Number two, the type of commitment God seeks shapes his call and his pleading with us. Because God wants all-in commitment, he wants to grow the percentage. He wants to increase the amount of you and I that he has and that he has access to, right? So he calls for that, and he pleads with us through severe, serious warnings. Number three, we cannot say God will just forgive us if we keep forsaking him. We cannot say it. We cannot say, oh, nobody's perfect. God understands, and God will just forgive. Nobody's perfect is true. Does God understand sin? No. He takes it seriously. You can't keep forsaking God and thinking God will just keep forgiving. Number four, because God is holy, all sin must be punished. Let me stop. I'm going to cover the screen for a second. Everybody look here at me. It is so easy to think. New Testament, God loves God. You know, God is holy. He was as holy in the New Testament as he was in the Old Testament. He's as holy today in 2022 as he was in 2019. Because God is holy, he has to always punish sin. Period. Now, what happens is that the Old Testament points forward, and the New Testament causes us to look back. The Old Testament always points us to our need for Jesus. So I'll uncover the screen. Because he's holy, all sin must be punished. And so the serious, heavy words of Joshua point us to the need for the work of Jesus. 
And the work of Jesus is that he will take the punishment for your sin, my sin, your idolatry, my idolatry, your rebellion, my rebellion. That's what we call gospel, good news. But God proves his own love for us, jealous love, in that while we were still sinners, what did Jesus do? He died for us. So see that. The Old Testament always always points us to New Testament Jesus. One of the rules for interpreting Old Testament Scripture. How does this show me the need for Jesus, tell me about Jesus, or point me to Jesus? So when I come across a verse that's filled with fear and tension and God will not forgive you, how does that show me my need for Jesus? It shows me that I know I will stumble. I know I will not be able to keep this commitment as the way God wants to and the way God deserves for the commitment to be kept. So I need something to happen or else it's hopeless and helpless. And it points me to the work of Jesus who proves his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of you, that's your Shechem moment because you're in here tonight, you're in here this weekend, and you're not a Christ follower, and you, your Shechem moment is to marvel at what God has done for you. Now, will you commit to him? So God's commitment to us is always greater than our commitment to him. Therefore, what he has done drives what we are to do. That's great news. God, that's, that's jealousy. His commitment to you and I is always greater than our commitment to him. Because you know what? God didn't have to make you or me. God didn't have to make this world. He was perfectly happy, just the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal in existence. But he made us. So he didn't have to give us air to breathe. Thank you, God. He didn't have to give us food to eat. Thank you, God. We're all just like that turtle sitting on a fence post. You know we got help to get up there. And God most certainly, some of you need to think about that. And God, and God most certainly didn't have to send his son to die for us. So Joshua gets real serious. And then we come back to the people. No, the people answered Joshua. We will worship the Lord. Okay. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. Now, let's talk application. Let's talk, what, is, what does Shechem look like here in 2022? I mean, we're, we're back here in, you know, B.C. era. What does it look like for us? I, I, I want to share a couple of things, okay? I fundamentally believe, and we've been praying through this, talking about this, I believe worship at Rockbridge is all, needs to become more Shechem-like every week. Because what happens during the week is we drift, right? Commitment wanes. We're leaky, right? We're leaky. We want to leave out of here 100%. We come back in here seven, six, seven days, six days, five days, whatever it is later, and we may be down to 80%. And so we have to get reinvigorated to be committed to God by standing in awe of God's commitment to us. So our worship should constantly be a representation of the gracious gospel of the glorious God to us, where then we confess where we have failed, receive grace, grace from the work that Jesus has done and then recommit ourselves to being his people who worship him, fear him, and obey him. So that's what worship needs to feel like. So I, I just want to tell you something. When you walk through the door, whenever you walk through, quote John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. It ain't about you when you come through the door. And let's get our mind on him. And let's, get our, let's not be self-conscious 
Let's be God-conscious and God-hungry. So worship. God speaks to us through the Word of God. I've said this to you many times. Please don't come tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. God speaks through the Word most and the majority of the time. So we're going to start inviting our church to read the Word of God together. Come out through time with God. You can just write it down. We'll have some stuff for you, reminders and stuff. This week, here's the invitation. Read Joshua chapter 24 four times this week. And then next week, we're going to start reading through an entire book of the Bible together. We'll talk about it next week, all right? But we want to be in the Word of God. And then the last thing comes from what happens back with our friends at the, at the literal Shechem. So after they make this commitment, Joshua says, all right, let's make a covenant. That's a big, serious commitment for the people at Shechem. And he established a statute and ordinance for them. And he took up a large stone, and he set it up there under the oak, at the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you see this stone? It's going to be a witness against us, for it's heard all the words the Lord has said to us, and it will be a witness against you so that you will not deny your God. Sometimes we need reminders of our commitments, like my wedding ring, like what baptism is about, right? So you got a rock, or you made a rock, or found one in your house, And what we're going to do as the people of God is this. And you don't have to do it. But I think sometimes we need to do physical, have physical moments that mark spiritual movement in our lives. And so at all of our campuses, there's going to be a place sort of near where you sit, the stage area or places in the middle of certain bigger bigger venues where you, during during this response song that we're going to sing in just a moment, you can bring this rock and you can just lay, lay it there. So that every time you come into that worship venue, you remember, I made a Shechem commitment to God on this day, on this weekend. Some of you may want to just take it home and pray about it. Some of you may want to take it home and you want to make this Shechem commitment, but you want that rock at your bedside table. You want that rock on your dashboard of your car. You want that rock right next to your toothbrush or right next to your razor or where you you get dressed and get ready in the morning. It's between you and God. But, but here's what I want to invite us to do, okay? Mark this moment today, not someday, today, if it's a movement of commitment in your heart to God. If you're ready to become a Christ follower, mark it. Tell your campus pastor, someone at the next step area, I'm following Jesus first time in my life. Tell them. Then we're going to mark it with baptism. But you mark it today. Between you and the Lord, if this is a Shechem time, go ahead and decide now, today. Let us pray. God, we just want to give you this time. Open hearts, open minds. Just give you this time. God, whether we're at home in Hickson, Chatsworth, Dalton, Calhoun, Ringo, Cleveland, doesn't matter. Time is yours. And God, if there's a movement where we know that we know that we know, I've got a commitment I need to make. God's calling me to it. He's asking for it. Today's the day. And Lord, we want to mark that physically to remind us of the spiritual movement between our soul, our lives, and your most Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're an illuminator. 
shine a light on what our next steps are, what our commitment is. So with our heads bowed, eyes closed, listen. We're in prayer, listening to God. When I say amen, our worship leaders are going to begin singing. Time is between you and God. You can sit, you can stand. You can walk out and go to that place near where you're seated and put your rock there and mark the moment of this spiritual movement. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, thank you for showing us the way. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. So God, this time is your time. No rush to leave, God. Can't rush Shechem. But there's a hush in our souls just to listen, to be still and know you're God, to fear you in awe and reverence, to worship you, to obey you, to give you more of us than, we gave, than, we, than you had when we walked in today. Whatever it is, God, I pray heart after heart, soul after soul, is saying yes to you. Because, God, you've already said yes to us because you died for us. In your name we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.